Hello, my name's Gary. And my name's Simon. And this is episode 14 of EV Musings, a podcast about electric vehicles and things that are interesting to electric vehicle owners. On our podcast today, we'll be talking about the Jaguar I-PACE in our continuing review of EVs currently on the market. But before we get started, I want to ask you, did you see the fully charged Porsche Taycan episode yet? 30 launch controlled starts in a row with no degradation performance in the drivetrain. I seriously want to know what that's doing to the battery, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, to be honest, I, I watched this multiple times. It was like the, uh, dare I say, it, the heydays of Top Gear. So, uh, you know, where you'd, you'd find a really good episode and it was really fun and likely factual at the time. So many, many years ago. But yeah, I've, I, I looked at it and I thought, that's really cool and really quick. And Johnny was clearly having a lot of fun. But yeah, I, I'm i not convinced. I'd like to see the stats of the battery. Because everyone knows, like, you know, it's like the, the multiple fast charger type situation. You know, the more you do those, supposedly, the, you know, the more degradation it does on the battery. But for something like that, as powerful as that, and doing those multiple times, time after time, that battery's got to be cooking. Or at least have the most ridiculously good battery management system you know like blocks of ice under the battery <laughs> yeah I, I mean you've got to ask yourself put um tesla say you can't do this or, or they give you a warning yeah uh, do you really want to do this and the reason is because it affects the battery so what yeah. have porsche done that have negated that and if they have is there something else further down the line that we don't know about that will be affected as a result of it <laughs> the, the one the one year porsche <laughs> 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 it's like you you can own this and you can drive it really fast on a racetrack for about a year before it dies <laughs> i wonder what their battery warranty is going to be like six months or, or <laughs> depending on, on how you drive there's a there's a warning you have to sign up to it's like if you're going to drive it like a complete nutcase then um, it's six months otherwise it's eight years <laughs> love it <laughs> our feature topic today continues our series on evs on the market. In recent episodes, we've discussed the BMW i3, the Kia Soul, the Nissan Leaf, and the Renault Zoe. This week, we're looking at the first UK designed and built EV, the Jaguar I-PACE. The I-PACE is the first and only full electric BEV produced by the Jaguar Motor Company. It was released last year and it's proved to be quite popular in the UK. If you speak to people who own them, they all tend to like them. One owner who will be helping us today is Gary Whitaker, who runs the iPace Owner YouTube channel, and there's a link in the show notes below so you can catch up on that. This is definitely a fairly high-end product aimed at executive-level people and those with a reasonably high level of disposable income. Another prime market for this is company car buyers who are looking for an executive-type vehicle but want to limit the amount of tax they pay for benefit in kind. The recent government announcement regarding the removal of BIK tax for EVs is a good reason to look at this car. Yeah, so the iPace costs almost £61,000 in the UK with the equivalent of around €82,000 in Europe. The cost per mile of range figure on this car is quite high at £259 of purchase price per mile of range. The iPace comes with a 90 kilowatt hour battery of which 84.7 kilowatt hours is usable. This gives a good buffer at the top and bottom end to protect the battery at higher charging speeds. The battery port on this car is side mounted at the front on the left hand wing. According to the WLTP cycle the official range of this vehicle is around 292 miles under normal operating conditions. In summer this will be higher, in winter this will be lower. 
High speeds such as those on motorway will also reduce the range. The real world range averages 235 miles but can dip to approximately 165 or go up to 340 depending on the weather, the speed and the type of road you are driving on. Use the average of 235 as a good estimate though. As Gary Whitaker said, I will get 200 miles range out of it. That's more than enough for me. Uh -huh. I know some people like to drive further than that, but 200 miles for me is, is more than enough driving. As with all EVs, efficiency is a better measure of the car's range. The I-PACE has a real-world efficiency of 360 watt-hours per mile. This translates to 2.7 miles per kilowatt-hour. For a vehicle with a 90 kilowatt-hour battery, that's not particularly good. The similarly equipped Tesla Model S 90 with a slightly bigger and heavier battery will do 300 watt hours per mile or 3.3 miles per kilowatt hour. I spoke at a recent EV meet with someone who owned one and they said that uh, the insistence that Jaguar had on adding a real grill to the front of the car was one of the reasons the efficiency wasn't as good as it could have been for this vehicle. Gary Whitaker addressed the topic of efficiency when we spoke to him. The one they always talk about is the efficiency. I'm not really worried about that. It's a Jag after all. It's, it's, it's a it's basically a a, a four five four sports car. Um, you don't expect sports cars to be particularly efficient. The iPace uses CCS for DC rapid charging and Type two for AC. With CCS, it can charge at a maximum of one hundred and four kilowatts with an average speed of eighty five kilowatts. The rapid charging curve on this vehicle is fairly flat when it comes to fifty kilowatt charging, staying at top speed until it hits around eighty five percent state of charge. Then it tapers down quite rapidly to preserve the battery. In higher speed charges, this vehicle will peak at 104 kilowatt hours, around 30% of state of charge, and will drop from there until it reaches 50 kilowatts at 84% state of charge. Then it follows the charge curve of the 50 kilowatt charges. A typical recharge time on a 50 kilowatt charge will be about 75 minutes for 10% up to 80%. On an Ionity or BP Chargemaster 150 kilowatt charger, it'll be 44 minutes for the same charge from 10% to 80%. For AC charging, the onboard charger limits the current to 3.7 kilowatts on 11 kilowatt chargers and 7.4 kilowatts on 22 kilowatt chargers, which is a little bit low. Hmm. If you're thinking of charging this using the granny cable, be ready for long <laughs> charge times. 43 hours for a charge from 10% to 80%. So you're wow. going to need a home charge if you've got one of these, definitely. <laughs> wow. Similar vehicles in this space include Tesla Model S range, the Audi e-tron and the Mercedes EQC. All fairly high-end, top-of-the-range luxury cars. This market is quite small, but, but there are Jaguar owners who will stay within the mark. There are, of course, those who will swap and change as often as they wish. Sales in the US for this product have not been as good as Jaguar would have liked, however. The iPACE has all-wheel drive using motors front and back to produce 395 horsepower and 513 pound-feet of torque. It'll do 0 to 62 in 4.8 seconds, which is not bad, and the speed tops out at 124 miles an hour. In terms of performance, it's one of the better performing EVs out there. I've been in one, and the acceleration is certainly acceptable. It's not Tesla ludicrous mode speed, but nothing else is really. It's very well specced inside with a head-up display, good sound system, driver aids such as lane keep assist, adaptive cruise control, heated electronically controlled seats, and that fancy little no-touch opening of the boot where you just wave your foot underneath the rear bumper and it magically opens. It's a full five-seater with good room in the rear. 
Despite this being a new car for a reputable brand, there have been one or two teething issues with it, mostly to do with the software control and displays. We asked Gary Whitaker what he didn't like about the iPace. I did reverse into our lamppost not so long ago because the uh, reversing camera had significant lag on it during the time I was doing the reversing manoeuvre. Um, at least that's what I'm blaming. I, probably, I should probably maybe pay more attention as well. But yeah, uh, and one thing I found is that parts are taking a very long time to come to the repair shop. At least that's what they're telling me. So it's been in the, in the repair shop for quite a while. Parts are also very expensive, which you wouldn't not expect with a Jag. I mean, that's that's what, what you come to expect with luxury car brands. Um, the other thing is the navigation system, or at least the cent- the infotainment system. Um, the centre console, I've had the problem where it went blank. Um, there's an easy fix for that. Uh, it's, the dealers should know about it. I'll let Gary Whitaker summarise his overall feelings for this car and then uh, we'll come back and just wrap up. So yeah, overall, I love driving it. It's a great EV experience. Um, it's a great car. It's a big car. Uh, it's a luxury car. Uh, it may not be for everybody. But if you're looking at it from a company car point of view, the whole benefit and kind thing next means next year that uh, you can uh, get a much more expensive, more luxurious car for the price you'd pay for a lot cheaper petrol car. So I guess that's an incentive. This was a game changer for Jaguar when it was released, and it was widely touted as a Tesla killer. Obviously, there's no such thing as a Tesla killer, and the specs prove that. Uh, Representatives from JLR, Jaguar Land Rover Group, have stated that their sales are cannibalising other EV makers, as well as keeping current Jaguar owners in the brand. It is, however, a very well-appointed vehicle. It has a gorgeous interior that is, it looks and feels expensive, and it's very well put together. I drove in one of these with Gary Whitaker recently, and we've got the attached video for that, which he posted on his channel. And it's certainly a very well-built and well-appointed car. So let's wrap it up by seeing if there's some cool EV or renewable thing you've come across that we can share with our listeners. Yeah, so here's mine. Um, So if I were to ask you how much you think car companies are spending on advertising, what would you say? So, uh, <laughs> how long's a piece of string? In, indeed, and and this has been obviously years and years that, and it's no new thing that they spend money. However, a stat I come across on online was, I suppose, narrowed down to the two of the biggish ones around uh, around car um, advertising, and one of them is Volkswagen, and one of them is Toyota. Now, Toyota are spending the multiples of millions a year on uh, on advertising their cars, and this includes. You know the uh, the so called uh, dare I say it um, plug in and uh, self charging hybrids. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> it makes me sick even saying that now. Um, and uh, Volkswagen, which is approximately about three or four times the amount. So again, in the multiples of millions of uh, dollars or pounds, whatever you want, uh, whatever you want to say, but it's in high numbers now. Take a relatively new to automotive industry Tesla. How much do you think they advertise on their cars? Well, intuition would say that to get the kind of sales that they've got in the time period that they've got, they must have spent an absolute fortune on advertising. Uh, no. Tesla, <gasps> Tesla spend zero. Absolutely what? nothing on advertising. So um, it's it's it seems strange to, to believe because um, you know naturally you everyone would assume that I must have seen a Tesla advert somewhere or a you know on a, a TV or a, you know on a in a magazine or a paper but 
No. So why don't why don't Tesla need ads? You know, every every other car manufacturer, every other product in the world needs ads. Well, this is because every supercharger is basically an ad for the entire product lineup. Every time you floor it at a light, that's an ad. Every customer talking to their friends, that's an ad. So this sounds familiar, right? So the way I put this is it's the Apple approach to a degree. Whilst Apple advertise and probably spend a lot, most sales are via people showing the product either in store. So now they have, you know, these nice, lovely open stores. You wander around and, you know, can pick up the product and, and look or by friends. Um, you know, certainly in the early days when I got my first iPhone and I showed it to my friends, that's how they bought it. That's how they got into Apple products in general and certainly the iPhone. And if you if you look at how Tesla are doing it and uh, to a degree uh, Polestar as well. Now now the stores are aren't as many, I suppose, as uh, as they used to be, but that's that in itself is a telling um, a telling sign that even that they don't think is is necessary. So they've reduced those back. But you walk into a Tesla store, it's literally like walking into an Apple store. Me and you walked into that one when we went to see the Model 3. Um, And it's like walking into an Apple store. There's no hard sale. They're there to show off the product. You drool over the product and inevitably you're probably going to buy it. Um, And you go online and buy it. You don't don't buy it there and then in the shop. They send you to a website and you go and buy it. Um, it just seems nuts that like 10 years later and, and they're not spending any money on advertising. What I also found interesting was a tweet that I read today. I think it was from Fully Charged Dan from the uh, Fully Charged show. Mm. And he basically posted a screenshot of four newspaper clippings or newspaper reviews from the time that the iPhone came out. Yeah. Uh, or four quotes. And it was... Um, Steve Ballmer saying the iPhone, no, it's never, ever going to take off. <laughs> and uh, one reviewer said uh, BlackBerry and Nokia have got nothing to worry about. <laughs> and somebody else said the iPhone, an all-in-one phone that does everything. No, it will not catch on. And it's interesting. I see the similarities there between Tesla and Apple as well. Yeah. And, um, and where are those other companies now? That's a very good question. <laughs> I would just like to say other uh, products are available. We're, we're not just Apple lovers. So if you do have an Android, same principle applies. <laughs> <laughs> My cool thing is uh, the announcement this week that Instavolt are starting to roll out 125 kilowatt charges on their network. They're currently offering 50 kilowatts like Polar and most of the other charge networks. But with the universal plaudits that... Instavolt are getting for having reliable contactless charging with double charges at most locations usually. The fact that they've not responded to the Ionity and BP Chargemaster faster speed rollout was surprising, but now they've dealt with that. Obviously, with faster charges such as this, you're starting to look at, you know, 15-minute charge times for certain cars Mm -hmm. that can accept that higher speed of charging. The newer charges will go mostly to brand new locations, but they are also retrofitting some current 50 kilowatt chargers. The first one identified for retrofitting is the Starbucks at uh, Corf Mullen near Bournemouth and further down the A303, the Route 303 restaurant in Honiton, Devon, which was recently voted one of the most picturesque charging locations in the UK. Hmm. However, earlier this week, I noticed that uh, my nearest Instavolt, which happens to be quite close to their headquarters, I believe, 
has been upgraded so I popped down there and I used it and they're just as easy and straightforward as you'd expect Instafault to be. Plus they've got fabulous new screens instead of that scrolling LED display of the 50 kilowatt chargers. I was there about 22 minutes. I put in 17 kilowatt hours, which took me from 23% to 80% at a cost of £5.71. Having said that, I peaked at 50.4 kilowatts in a car that can supposedly take 80 kilowatt maximum, but I suspect the battery hadn't warmed up enough as I'd only driven about 12 miles to get there at fairly low speed. It is also worth remembering that these are 125 kilowatt shared units. Uh, this means that two units together share the 125 kilowatt feed. If both are charging at the same time, the maximum speed will be reduced for each one to no more than 62.5 kilowatts each. Wow, that's that's pretty good though. I mean, I'd, I mean, obviously my car only takes 50, but um, we all know Instavolt are you know great, reliable, easy to use. Yes, they're in the higher price bracket in terms of price per kilowatt, but um it's nice to see that these companies going do you know what we're, we're just going to over upgrade or everything new will be like 125 you know bp are doing it fastnet are doing it grid surf will be that and more um it's happening you know the these whole kind of rollouts of the higher speed chargers and networks are just starting to flood the country now it, it will take time but i think again we we covered this on a previous episode but the death of that motorway hindrance, I think, is not is not far off. To be honest, because why would you need to go there? You know, there's 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 so many around these areas now that you don't have to stop at motorway services for this sort of stuff anymore. Indeed, and one of the things that I found particularly satisfying about this is that even though they've gone up to the higher speeds, they're not charging any more per kilowatt hour. No, that's a hopefully a good sign. Let's hope it stays like that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and that's our show for today. Hopefully you enjoyed listening to it. If you want to contact us, I'm the EV side on both Twitter and YouTube. And I'm the real Gary C on Twitter. If you're wanting a quick reference ebook to read on your Kindle, I wrote a little something called So You've Got Electric. It's available on Amazon Worldwide for the measly sum of 99 pence or equivalent, and it's a great little introduction to living with an electric car. Links for everything we've talked about in the podcast today are in the description. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. We're available on iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave a review, five stars if possible, please. as it makes us feel <laughs> please, as it makes us feel loved and helps us know we're not just shouting into the void here. Can I also ask you to recommend this podcast to two people you know? Subscribe them to the podcast, please. Just take their phones and, and just subscribe <laughs> them. Whatever you need to do, help to help get the word out to everyone. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. Bye.